1: Sangram here. Welcome to another takeover series for the Flip My Funnel podcast. I'm here with a very good friend of mine. Over the last year, I think we have connected on so many different levels. A part of the peak community, part of the Flip My Funnel, and I've also been using their services for a lot of the things that I produce in terms of video. So Amber, Amber Khan, she's the founder of Repurpose Den. She's an international best-selling author, and she also this would get you. She's also an average runner. I think you're better than me, Amber. But Amber, thank you for for joining me uh, and doing this series.
2: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: All right. So Amber, tell me and tell the audience, what is the name of your series and what is the series all about?
2: All right. Well, this particular series is called Impactful Living. And the reason being, this is a series where we feature purpose-led leaders who are making a meaningful impact through their work and touching and changing lives of many. I
1: oh, love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, what's interesting about it is that we have a lot of episodes on marketing and I think this is going to give people a necessary break because ultimately whatever you do, you got to have impact. So share a few people that you are going to interview and the topics that you're going to interview on uh, in the series.
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, just one of them uh, is, is Claude Silver who talks about building a culture of empathy then I have Mary Henderson. She based in, is based in Australia and she talks about how to commercialize your expertise into a profitable business, which a lot of us, you know, uh, struggle with, especially those who are pivoting from, say, a corporate career and now looking into starting their own business. And then I'm going to have uh, Daniel Priestley, who is the author of multiple books, one of them being Key Person of Influence, The Entrepreneurship Revolution. And with him, we're going to talk about some awesome stuff. He's just published yesterday a new book called um, How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids. And, And we're going to talk a lot about that. Wow. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: almost every one of this sounds like a story worth going through. Uh, one of the things that this is where we're going to end because this is going to be an introduction. So, folks, as you're listening to this, you may be listening to the first Interview that Amber did, maybe the last one. There's a whole series of about ten or so that we're going to have in four years, and we'll play every Tuesday and Thursday in the series. So if and it will tell you is this is the one, the first episode, or is this the eighth episode. So you can go figure out if you need to go back and watch some of or listen to some of these video interviews. But what's interesting, Amber, about all of this is there's a question that uh, Andy Stanley, someone that I follow, says in his book Better Decision, Fewer Regrets. And he asked this very question that what story are you going to tell? And that is a very interesting question when you start going back in life, because each one of us has a story that we want to tell. And there is a story that people are writing right now that they don't know. And and I think people need to recognize that. So I love the fact that you're creating this impactful living series that's going to help people to recognize and come out of their shell, maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit and recognize that they have a story to tell. They're going to tell that story to their kids, their grandkids, or or their neighbor or somebody. And hopefully the interviews that you're going to do is going to have them thinking about this and actually start writing their own story the way they want to.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the idea with all each one of those interviews is that I want people to go with at least one takeaway that they can implement right in their life just by listening to you know, the guest stories or the challenges that they share during those interviews and if we can just make a difference in one person's life I know it would be all worth it
1: I love it and again this is what I love about this this takeover series you get such a different perspective and Amber you also bring in a global perspective because you have people from all over the world who are interviewing in the series so Amber again thank you so much for doing it all the information to connect to Amber her company her book uh, and all the things that she does is going to be in the show notes so check that out and Amber let's take it away Awesome.
2: Hello, good day, greetings, ciao, namaste, and salams to peeps from all around the world. Welcome to the Impact 2.0 show. Now, this show features purpose-led leaders who are making a meaningful impact through their work and touching and changing the lives of many. Stick around till the end, and I promise you that you'll walk away with at least one, if not more practical Get scrumptious takeaways from each of these uh, recordings or live sessions, like an ice cream sundae topped with heavy whipped cream, melted dark chocolate, and a dash of gold dust. Now, but today's guest is the Director of Marketing at Scribe Media, a bootstrap startup without any VC funding, making waves and changing lives at the same time. So will you please put your virtual hands together to welcome my fantabulous guest, Chris Piper. (laughs) All right, Chris, welcome to the Impact 2.0 show. Now, before we get into the steak and fries of this conversation, we are going to start off the show with a quick fire round. Are you ready, Chris? Let's
3: do
2: it. All right. Question number one. Imagine there's a zombie apocalypse. Who's your squad and why?
0: Uh, probably everyone that's in the Avengers, because who, who better than that?
2: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. What is the last show you binge watched?
0: Ooh, currently binging, uh, billions right now.
2: Billions. It seems to be a very popular one with everyone. That's good. It's getting really good. It's a good show. It's a good show. If you could read one book over and over for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, no
0: question. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl.
2: Ah, okay. Who was your role model as a kid? Chuck
0: Norris. Chuck Norris? He <laughs>
2: was
3: the couple
0: guy, right? Or-
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: basically, like he was a cowboy Texas ranger, but also knew karate and uh, loved him growing up. I wanted to drive a Dodge Ram just like him, wanted to do karate. Uh, and, uh, coincidentally, um, I've been to his ranch in Texas, which has been like oh, a dream come right. true. Yeah.
2: Oh, wow. So, what yeah!
0: Wow! Texas. <laughs> yeah, Chuck Norris all day.
2: All day. Awesome. Awesome. All right. What's the best advice you've ever been given?
3: Stay positive. Be optimistic. Always
0: stay positive. Work hard. Make it happen. That's it. That's all you got to do every day.
2: That's you gotta do every day. That's that's yeah. a brilliant advice. I'm sure everybody uh, could relate to this. All right, so hooray, we did it! And this deserves, I believe, a wiggle and a dance. And I'm not sure because uh, because you look too young to have heard of this, but I'm going to play this anyway. We did it! We did it!
3: We did it! Woo! Hooray! We did it! <laughs> we Probably did
2: just it.
0: before my time. Okay. That's good. Hey, it's a good celebration song.
2: It's a good celebration, so yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure uh, any parents listening to it could, could probably relate to this because it probably heard this like a gazillion times from Dora the Explorer. But <laughs> oh,
0: Dora! Okay, yes. all right. I've my I have a I have a 13 year old daughter, so she probably watched that, and I have blocked that out of my memory. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, well, it's been uh, yeah. I can imagine that she's 13, so it must have been a while. But yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she knows this one. <laughs> All right. So now let's get into the steak and fries of this conversation. Now, Chris, imagine I'm holding a pair of gloves. Could you take these boxing gloves through the screen for me and smash for me and not my face, please, but some kind of a myth surrounding, uh, you, you know, book writing or the book promotion or marketing of book or the reason why people should share their stories?
0: Ooh. Uh-huh so many myths because it's kind of a black box right no one really understands how books get published Uh, no one really understands what goes into uh, writing and publishing and marketing a book even if you've done it there's just so many parts of it but i think the biggest myth that i could dispel today is your options for for writing and publishing a book so i think historically the only option people really thought of, and still today, was I have to write a book proposal, I have to get a book agent, I have to go get a book deal with a traditional publisher like Wiley or Hay House or, mm-hmm. you know, there's millions of them, right? Yeah. And, th- and that's still true today. People think like that is the professional only way to get a good book done because the alternative, uh, which has only really become popular in the past 10, 15 years or so, is self-publishing, right? Right. Yes. You know, I can I can write it myself or hire a ghostwriter and then I'll figure it out, get it on Amazon. Mm. Uh, but for so many books that have been self-published and you can do a good job self-publishing, but for the majority, 90% of self-published books, quality quite isn't there. Mm. Um, you know, it, it doesn't get distribution. There's a lot of issues with self-publishing. Well, there's a third option, right? Mm. Um, and I swear this wasn't a setup just to start plugging what we do (laughs) in my company but there truly is like this new ish third option and um where you don't have to write the book yourself you don't have to have hands on the keyboard it Mm. can be in your words and your voice yeah um and you can get a really professionally done book at Mm -hmm. the same level as like a traditional traditionally published book or even higher um but it can be an easy process Uh, Mm -hmm. as easy as as easy as it can be it doesn't it doesn't have to be this painstaking uh you know everyone has that image of of being locked into a, a cabin in the, in the woods for <laughs> for a year you know frantically <laughs> make make your book out there yeah just, you know it's not you don't have to recreate the shining right yeah, yeah. Your book done. you know it's just that's not the way to do it yeah um there there is a third option right fair you can fair. speak your book you, you can have someone write it for you and it can be something that, like, is just as good as a traditional route. Not better.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's a good one uh, to bust uh, the myth that um, there is you know it's you don't think that there is only one option out there. Two option that or that it's it is an extremely difficult job to do. Um, that myth is busted. It is now possible to. There is an easier and better and more more effective way uh, of writing and publishing your book. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, now a side note here uh, for our listeners and viewers. You can actually access the bite-sized takeaways of uh, conversations on my YouTube channel, bit.ly. Let me help you show this on your screen so it's easier. Bit.ly forward slash spreading ideas with Amber Khan. And uh, for longer conversations, of course, you can you, you can listen to it on um, podcast, iTunes, or watch the bite-sized Clips on our YouTube channel. All right, now back to our chat. Chris, could you? I know you have briefly uh, described what um, Scribe Media does, but could for our viewers and listeners who don't know Scribe Media at all, could you briefly explain what it does and the reason why it exists?
0: Sure. So the elevator pitch for Scribe is: We are the we're the leader of professional publishing, right? So our mission literally is to help everyone on earth write publish. And market their book. So, we primarily work with entrepreneurs, executives, uh, coaches, consultants, uh, just people that are already at the top of their game, right? They have their experts in their industry, they know their stuff, um, and they want to write a book. You know, they've tried and failed for years, um, haven't been able to get it done because it's a painstaking process. Um, we help them get it done, usually within a year or less. So. Uh, we do book coaching, book writing services, like I was uh, talking about before, book marketing services, book publishing services. Um, we've worked with David Goggins, Tiffany Haddish, um, Joey Coleman, uh, a lot of just really big names, it's into lab, uh, just a, a lot of really big names, but also people, just regular people like, you you know, just people that want to share their ideas. They want to share their message and they want to uh they care about a community where they want to leverage their book, they want to make an impact, uh, you know and ultimately just leave a legacy with with what they know. Um, mm-hmm. I think we often do that mm.
2: which which leads me to the next question, like why should one write and publish a book
0: because you're being selfish if you don't you know if if you have expertise in this world, if you have been through something and have you know, and it it can be a hardship. It can be just something that you've learned through the day and day out of your business. Um, It really doesn't matter. If you're not sharing your wisdom with the world and helping other people who are on the same path as you, but maybe a year or 10 or 20 years behind you, um, like I I feel personally, it's your responsibility to share that information to help those people. Mm. Um, Just from an ideological standpoint, that's how I feel. Um, But uh, that's that's why I, I work at Scribe and that's why a lot of people uh, that, you know, without, in our 60-person team work there is we mm. fully believe in that too. Mm. Um, but also from the marketing aspect of things, there's a lot of cool things you can do with a book if you have your own book and leveraging it for your personal brand or your business and stuff like that too.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what do you think, what mistakes should one avoid when thinking of writing and publishing a book?
3: <sighs> uh, you know,
0: that you have to do it on your own, right? Mm. That you just have to open up a Google Doc mm. and force yourself to, to put words on paper. Um, now, that's, that's true. If you really want to write your own, your own book um, and you don't want to have a ghostwriter, you don't want to, you know, have someone interview you and uh, put it into book prose, mm. you're not going to be able to skip that part of the process, right? Um, but just trying to force yourself to sit down, you know, when the kids go to sleep at night or, uh, on the weekends and just trying to force it out and starting with the intro, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: I guarantee you're not going to get your book done. You Mm -hmm. will, another 10 years will go by and you still won't have your book. Uh, Mm -hmm. so it's actually a, uh, an interesting thing. Like we give away our entire process for free, all of it. You don't have to hire us. Right. Like we would like you to, you know, Mm -hmm. but. Um, you can read uh, our blog. You can read our book, The Scribe Method. Uh, You can go on our website and take all of our free courses for writing, publishing, and marketing a book. And it's, we're not, literally, there's no upsells. We're not hiding anything. It's literally our process of how to get the book done. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think, frankly, if you're not doing that, if you Mm -hmm. want to write your book, at least starting there, you're really doing yourself a disservice. You're going to give yourself a major headache and you're going to make this thing way more complicated than you need to.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And for those of our viewers and listeners wondering where they should go, you can check all their resources out at scribemedia.com. Am I correct, Chris?
0: Yeah, scribemedia.com. The courses are, uh, it's called Scribe Book School. It's linked to the on on our website pretty easy to find it.
2: Okay. Awesome. 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 So, I mean, now we've we've uh, you've shared with us uh, the mistakes to avoid. So what could, could you share, like, top three ways if somebody's stuck you know they've, they've they've got years of experience behind them and they've been um prolonging this process of you know i should get a book out there you know what are the top three things they can do right away to get this process starting
0: you need to understand why you want to write a book hmm. you know for a lot of people it's just ego right? <laughs> uh, which you know, I'm I'm not the ego police. You know, if you want to write a book uh, because you want something on the bookshelf, mm-hmm. on your bookshelf, and say that that's yours and that's your accomplishment, great. Like, do it, right. But there is definitely reasons why you should not write a book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and and I don't know off the top of my head what these are. We have a blog post mm-hmm. so who 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 should write a book, who should not write a book. I think yeah. if you if you Google like who should not write a book, like our our, our post should come up, right? But understand why, why it is that you're writing a book. Does mm-hmm. it out of ego? OK, that's fine if it is. Um, mm-hmm. Is it just because you want to share your story and you want to write a memoir? Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, is it to build your business? Is it to build a brand? Is it to build confidence? Mm-hmm. How are you going to leverage the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, at least initially, that is a good frame to look at of, OK, because everyone everyone says they want to write a book, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone. Wants to be an author. Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking, I'm sure there's one or two people on the globe that don't. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's it's a bucketless item for a lot of people. But really, getting to the core of why you want to write it, who is this for? Mm-hmm. Uh, who are you seeking to impact? And you know, how does this how does this play into your life? Because writing a book, even as easy as we make it, it's still mm-hmm. at minimum eight or nine months of working with us. Mm-hmm. You know that's a better part of a year, so it's not a, a light investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna write it on your own. I mean, people can can knock out a manuscript in a month or two, but for most people, it's one, two, three years. So you just diving into it and starting to write the thing because you listen to this podcast and they get you fired up and you're ready to roll and start you know writing, publishing your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, don't this isn't something you want to jump into. You want to really understand. Why is this the right thing for you and why now? And, and who's this for? Who, who's this book is, is going to serve? So, that, and I think that's an important thing to start with anything, whether if you're starting a business or a project or a book. Um, you know, who are you serving and why is, is one of the best places to start with it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's the fundamental principle for, like you said, for everything, even for business. We first have to figure out why are we doing this and why do we want to do what we are um, uh, intending to do. And who do we serve by doing that? Um, and that clarifies a lot of things going forward. What kind of products and services you want to produce or what kind of book you want to write. So,
0: yeah. um, Ironically, there's a, there's a great book on this called Start you know, exactly, with Cynic. <laughs> Start with
3: and
2: exactly, which I'm sure like every single person on the planet has read it. I don't of know anybody course. who's not read it, um, but for sure it's, it's a very impactful book. It has changed, I'm sure, millions and millions of lives. So let's dive more into now marketing side of the book. So I know you mentioned that you guys are now starting a a marketing out to your book publishing uh, business as well. So let's talk about you know what mistakes one should uh, avoid or what challenges one might come across when it comes to marketing their books.
0: Yeah, so there's probably another myth that we can dispel here too. um, Mm -hmm. Is even if you if you're the one percent or less of people that do get a traditional book deal, um, e- uh, and even if it's a big name publisher, they're not going to really help you with marketing. They just don't. They, they just don't. I, I, I co-authored a book years and years ago, even before even Scribe was a thing, uh, with Wiley, like a major right. publisher. Didn't do a single thing uh, to uh. publish it. And so, as a marketer, I'm like, oh, I'll just do traditional marketing tactics to market the book. Um, And the book was a bunch of other marketers primarily, and we couldn't get any traction whatsoever. Um, Mm I don't know how many copies that book sold, but it's probably in the hundreds, (laughs) maybe just the dozens. It was was a complete failure, right? Mm -hmm. So so myth one is even you would expect a book publishing company, Mm
3: -hmm. a traditional
0: publisher to market the book that they have invested in. But 99.99% of the time, they do not. It's up to the author to do all the marketing. So that would be myth one. Myth two, I guess, would be here, just the traditional marketing tactics to to promote a book. Just mm. they just don't they just don't traditionally work either, it, or it's very difficult. Mm. So there's a really book book marketing is just as complicated as mobile marketing, right? Mm. But it's also I'm going to contradict myself on purpose here, just as simple as traditional mm. marketing. Right, it's you got to have an audience. They have to care about the book, uh, about how your book can help them, Mm. and then you just have to, you know, promote, promote, promote. You know, it's not really that abnormal um, from any other service, Mm. but you really have this kind of short window for traditionally for a book to really get traction. Certainly, there's books that have been published and they hit the New York Times list uh, years and years later. Our our co-founder Tucker Max is is one of those. His book. Uh, His first book was published in the late 2000s. It didn't have the bestseller list for like three or four years after that, right? So it can't happen. But generally speaking, you have this window between the time the book is published, launched right? And just a few months after that, where people actually will truly care about the book and you can get the momentum you need, get the press uh, uh, and everything else uh, to really get book sales started, get that Amazon bestseller. Uh, mm-hmm. start making traction, you know, for some people towards the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times bestseller list, mm-hmm. um, which it should never be a marketing goal. If you want to get on the one of the main bestseller lists, it's probably an ego thing, probably a vanity thing. Um, and it's really difficult. Or there's ways you can buy yourself on a list, but we, I, we won't go into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the marketing of the book it, it, it's like you need a team like you if you try to do it yourself you can send out your own emails to your audience you can post on linkedin you can beg all your friends and family to buy multiple copies that only gets you so far right mm-hmm. i mean that might only get you to a couple hundred books sold, maybe a thousand if you're lucky mm-hmm. um 99 of books won't ever sell more than a thousand copies mm-hmm. there's, there's millions of books published a year so you're competing against a lot of attention mm-hmm. um, so it, it, it isn't something that can be an afterthought. It isn't really something you can do on your own, or at least not do it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you, it's, it's basically, a there's a three, four month window, like I said, once you hit publish, mm-hmm. where a lot of stuff has to get in place to really take that work that you just invested the year, two, three years, however long you took to write and publish your book, to actually leverage it. Uh, mm-hmm it's it's really sad if your book just you know collects dust on the shelf mm. and it doesn't get actually into the hands of the people that you want it to so um uh, there's there's just it's just it's, an, it's a problem that we've seen over and over again with with uh authors um where it's like cool my book's published now what yeah and it's like okay well w- what do you mean now what yeah <laughs> right. Yeah. So like you, you didn't have a what do you mean you didn't have you didn't have a plan for this yeah yeah uh, so so of course we've we've worked with over seventeen hundred authors we published I think as of yesterday seven hundred and ten books wow. um, we've done over five hundred uh, like really successful book launches um, not that the other two hundred failed they just didn't use this for their for their mm-hmm. book launch um, and so now we have kind of figured out this this perfect uh, mold of how to launch a book how to get it out in the world. Yeah. and just really give, give people, uh, some tangibility to, to their book instead of it just being like this, Hey, this thing I created and now it's over.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a moment, I'll ask you to share maybe some tips, uh, on marketing, a uh, book, let's say for somebody who's on a budget, but I, I wanted to talk about, because we among, um, uh, in the entrepreneurial circles, um, we talk a lot about this, um, especially people who are in the midst of writing a book. And when you ask them, what's the goal, you know, and a lot of them are thinking, okay, you know, that, you know, I want to sell a million copies of my book, right. You know, that's usually the first one they go for. And it's, it's almost like, you know, we have, uh, you know, I don't know, you could probably talk more about it. Isn't it kind of a reality check that, you know, Usually that's not always the main goal that you're going to sell a million copies and make money from your book because a lot of other things happen at, um, because of you writing a book, you may end up getting more speaking gigs, you you can win more business and that's how the revenue comes in rather than the actual sale uh, of a book. So maybe you could share some, you know.
3: <laughs> some
0: yeah.
2: That.
0: yeah, exactly. Like there's probably five to 10 people a month who who talk to us and they're like, I want to be a bestseller. I want to be on Oprah and I want to sell a million copies. And we say, good luck. We can't help you. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just, I mean, that's just not going to work for the vast majority of people. Yeah. It's just so unrealistic. Right. Mm-hmm. So generating thinking like you're going to get rich off of book sales. Mm-hmm. Unless you're J.K. Uh, Rowling and writing yeah. Harry Potter, like it's, it's not going to happen. So yeah. if you're writing a fiction book, which is really, isn't really what we're talking about here. Yeah. If you're writing a fiction book, book sales is your primary way to make money. Mm. Like, that's basically it. Mm. Um, but for nonfiction, book sales is the, the arguably the worst way to mm. make money from the book itself. It's how you leverage the book. So mm. there's probably like 20 or 25 different ways I could rattle off. If you own your own business, um, or if, if you're an executive or a co-founder of a company, um, on how you can how you can leverage the book, you can leverage it for regeneration. Yeah. Um, you can leverage it to well. If you're not speaking, you can get it to start getting on stage or start commanding higher speaking fees, uh, attracting the right clients, consulting. Like you know, the list goes on and on and on. But yeah, yeah focusing on book sales is the worst thing to do. There's plenty of authors who probably have never sold more than a few hundred copies, but they've made millions of dollars off of their book. And it's all how they they leverage it.
2: Yes, it's how you leverage it because it acts as... I remember one, one of my mentors saying this once, that use your book as a business card. This is your new business card. And it made so much sense because... You know, like uh, out of all, if, if you were to go to, a let's say, a business networking uh, uh, group and how many people out of those have written a book, imagine you produce that, uh, you know, so much credibility goes with, with it, so much more business you can win because they now see you as a credible source um, uh, in the niche that you're working in, they see you as a person of influence and uh, of credibility just because you've written a book. So, I I mean, I believe the benefits go far beyond the the actual sale of that book. You know, I I mean,
0: I mean, you like you right in terms of search engines, right? There's Google, YouTube, and then Amazon, right? Amazon might actually even be bigger than YouTube in terms of mm. people that search. But when you want to learn a topic, um, I mean, for me personally, right? Like I'm, you know, at, at some part of the process, I'm going to Amazon saying, trying to figure out who wrote the book on this? Who's right. the go-to expert, right? So it's, and, it, and it's like, okay, well, this looks like exactly what I need to learn. It mm-hmm. has uh, hundreds of positive reviews. This is the book. This is the person I need to talk to to learn this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just did this with, uh, like, something I didn't, like, a new area of marketing that I wasn't super familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't even a question of, like, is this guy credible? Is this guy the authority? It's like, he literally wrote the book on it. And this is obviously a phenomenal book, highly reviewed. Um, this is who I'm going to talk to. And this is who I'm going to reach out to to see if he uh, does consulting. Right. And then, you know, bam, he might've made 10 bucks from, from me buying his book, but he's going to make five figures in consulting.
2: Hmm. That's yeah. just how it works. That's how it works. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I know that because uh, my company uh, repurposed and we, we work with uh, a lot of authors who have already got, have, have already published their books, but a lot of the times it it's just sitting. I call it in the in in the isolated archives of Amazon or or somewhere on their website. Um, and of course, it acts um, uh, as a source of credibility for them if people know them, if people find out about it. But what we help them do is is basically use the content from their book. And um, repurpose it for social media um, so that, um, you know, the idea is not obviously to drive, you know, more traffic to their book sales, which it can happen. And they may sell a few more books. But but the point is that they've already got content sitting. They're just sitting on a mountain of content. And it's just that they've not um, utilized it properly, you know, you know, squeezed every juice out of it, um, using it on social media. Um, so that, uh, more and more people get to know about the work that they're actually doing. So which brings me up to, uh, about, uh, marketing tips that how do you uh, suggest maybe the top three ways of marketing a book, especially for those who maybe are on a budget or maybe thinking they want to do this on their own, or even if they were to use somebody else's, uh, um, help or support in this, how should they go about doing this?
0: Ooh, honestly, I'm probably not the best person to answer this. I need my author marketing strategist uh, mm. to jump in here. But the, okay, there's probably a, a few main things. If you're on a budget, um, you know, you you, you don't want to do like the massive book launch or, or just you can't afford to get the, the, the team around you to do that. Mm. Uh, you know, there's definitely,
3: the best thing you can do, right, is,
0: don't sell unapologetically. And what, what I mean by that is, you know, people usually go one or two paths when they publish a book. Um, they either under leverage it or they w- way go over the edge, right? And they start promoting the book just in incorrect ways, right? So I, I think as soon as you become an author, right, uh, that has to be part of your identity. You are the author. So this needs to be next to your name, everywhere you go. Um, if people, it needs to be in the title of your LinkedIn page, your whole LinkedIn, like your personal page needs to be about you being the author and the speaker and the owner of whatever company or the owner, um, you should be, you know, give the book away for free, give the PDF away, Mm -hmm. um, give, you know, the, you're trying to share your knowledge, right? And people hate reading PDFs. So if your information is good, you're going to buy the book anyway or get the audio book or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's that part of it. Uh, People have to know you have the book, right? So whether it's on your LinkedIn or your website or your email signature, like that's pretty basic stuff, but you'd be surprised how many people just completely overlook that part. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I think the other kind of really important thing here, which is so easy nowadays too, is just media. Um, and I think that's the largest thing that we we preach and that we do when when we launch our, our own book or when we launch okay. our author's books. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense to try to go after like really huge name podcasts. Mm. Get After the more niche podcast mm-hmm. that has the audience that you're seeking to serve. Mm. Uh, you know, the people that you want to be seen as a go-to expert in. Mm. That will make more of an impact than going on whatever it is, like your favorite podcast is. Right. right. Um, you know, I mean, going on Joe Rogan's podcast would be amazing for most people, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the deepest impact you can make is focusing on that niche mm-hmm. and uh, just just going deep. Don't go wide. Just go deep. Just focus on. Just focus mm-hmm. on. You know, go on their podcast. Get in their niche media. Mm-hmm. Find the top bloggers. Reach mm-hmm. out to them. The amazing thing is, this should be really easy for mm-hmm. you to pitch and to get these placements because you now have that book. You are the yeah. author of so-and-so book. You wrote the book on this topic that can help their audience. Yes. Uh, you can write the worst pitch in the world and you'll probably get on <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we'll write an article or something like that. Um, but you don't have to hire a PR team. Right. Yeah. But I, I think where most people go wrong is they, Oh, uh, I got to be in an Inc. and Forbes and Fortune. Yeah, you 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 can go that. You can become a columnist, and do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But don't forget about what matters, right? That's mm-hmm. the people that you want to seek to serve, and where are they? If you're going a little bit more downstream, the media is going to come, the article is going to come, the press is going to come. You can use that to trade up into the bigger stuff if you want.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but don't don't overlook like where you can make the biggest impact.
2: Yeah yeah absolutely I think um said Gordon talks about it a lot you know he he always talks about that uh go niche go big um uh, uh, and even if somebody ha- has an audience of just a thousand people and but you know they are the exact audience you've written this book for imagine going in front of them doing a live with them or a you know an interview. Uh, with them, um, uh, you are more likely to get the results that you desire than going to a huge audience, which is a mix of different audience, uh, and hoping that you know yeah, you will go big that way.
0: Exactly. I mean, it it uh, it's so obvious now. But like my one of my favorite articles on marketing is yeah. Kevin Dully's "A Thousand True Fans." Yeah. So yeah. I mean, if if you can create a thousand true raving fans and they buy your book and they buy your course and then they hire you for consulting, they get you to speak at your conferences. I mean, you just built a one to three million dollar business. Hmm. But I yeah. mean, you, but you got to you got to focus on the audience.
2: Yeah, focus on the audience. Yeah, and hmm. and yeah, and and focus on your area of expertise and who's got that audience. Uh, that would exactly. be the yeah best way to market. Yeah, awesome. Um, that's a great advice. All right, Chris. Now, I can't pretend to know all about you or Scribe Media. What should I ask you that I didn't know enough to ask?
0: Ooh, oh, man. It's like, a, it's like an onion. So many layers <laughs> that we could feel back here. I don't know where, which way to go. Um,
2: Maybe new projects that you yourself personally or Scribe Media is working on, behind the scenes stuff we don't know about. <laughs> Well, I mean,
0: I, I guess I'll I'll share a story, right? Yeah. So like everyone, uh, this year has been a little bit different than what we planned when we did our annual planning in December yes. or January. So um, we obviously, like most people, threw out our playbook in March. Um, you know, the, the quarterly goals, you know, whether you use OKRs or WIGs or whatever, like it didn't matter. Those were, were getting thrown out for most people. Um, We, we were able to, we were able to make a big pivot and we've Mm -hmm. had a really phenomenal year because of it as a company. We, we, and we're, we're a little tiny startup, uh, 60 people, uh, we're doing eight figures in revenue, no VCs, no loans, um, Mm -hmm. no debt. Like we're truly the definition of bootstrapped, Mm -hmm. um, you know, intentionally, you know, we, we, we do that on purpose. Um, so it was, it was scary for us you know and what was what you said what was the pivot i'll get into that i'm building up to it Um, (laughs) so like you know our our ceo had to become a wartime ceo as uh leading the marketing team i had to become the wartime marketer so you know we we cut down the ad budgets to literally zero our rate flow dropped down and so it was like what do we do you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of people, just the uncertainty in, in March, uh, uh, at least in America. In March. I know you're in the UK. I don't. I don't know exactly when it when it hit hit the UK, uh, but we we really just thought about what what would we want if if we were on the other side of this,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, And we would say, well, everyone's at home. They're not traveling. They're not going to conferences. Most places are locked down oh, people are probably going to write their books. Because <laughs> it's like, what's there, what else is their excuse? Mm-hmm. So we just, we just decided to do that. So the big pivot was we did, a, I can't remember now, um, uh, but in March, March and April, we did it twice. We did a multiple day, like two, three days, eight hours a day where we got the co-founders, uh, the marketing team, our senior editors, everyone on a Zoom. We had like 10,000 people sign up. And we taught them literally our entire process. Oh, wow. And thousands of people started to write their book. Wow. Um, And as a result, I mean, thousands of them will never finish. Hundreds of them will never finish. Most of them won't ever work with us. But Mm -hmm. April, May, June, July, we had some of the biggest uh, sales months in company history. Wow. Uh, And I think that was a direct indicator of literally... we we didn't even have a plan to sell anything like we we you know workshop was done we're like okay good luck you know if you if you need if you need help go to go to our website check out the recorded courses if you want to revisit it you know that sort of thing but um there was no tactic there was no way we're just like it's going to be a brand play Mm. well i mean that brand play actually ended up creating two new seven figure uh service lines for us Mm -hmm. and I mean, the the leads are up for a reason the rest of the year. And I really think it's because of what we did uh, in Q1 and Q2 of this year of literally just giving everything away for free. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, not doing upsells, not trying to pitch people to work with us, just legitimately. You have time. We have the knowledge. We're going to teach you how to write your book so you can leverage this time and make it a live time instead of just, you know, dead time Binging billions or doing whatever <laughs> whatever yeah. else you do in your yeah. free time um yeah. so and i i think if more people would have taken that approach yes it might have softened the blow a little bit for them um obviously we were really kind of at, they found the the right thing to do and and at the right time and the right moment and took advantage of that mm-hmm. um but truly we just were like how, how do we help people um yeah. and it's it, it's up our bottom line, which so yeah. just helped us. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. It worked. I, I love that because you you ju- you guys just thought about, you know, how how can we go out there and and give even more value than what what we've been given and help people out. And it just brought so many people and you didn't think about, oh, my God, all these people, can they afford our services? Can will they really buy from us? um You know, the approach was, OK, let's help them get their books out there. And eventually, this is what usually happens. A lot of people realize, okay, I don't think I can do this on my own. I need some help and support. And then they go look for the appropriate companies um, to work with, uh, and some go on their own. That's okay, too. But it's just a brilliant approach. I I love this. That um, Thinking of giving value actually brings in the revenue. Uh, It's a no-brainer. It's pretty much a no-brainer strategy.
0: Yeah. It is, yeah. and it's so much more effective than I'm just going to do a one-hour webinar. Right? Yeah. i just going to send out an email or do another blog post, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's we just literally, it, it didn't make sense for us financially to do it, getting that many people eight hours a day for two or three days. Yeah. Um, like, that's a, that's a lot of payroll.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. So how, how did you do them? Were these, like, Zoom calls, they would go for hours? How, how did you do it?
0: Yeah, we literally just promoted it wide and far. Um, yeah. And then we just, God, what I, I mean, it was the simplest possible thing. Like we've never done a webinar in our life. We're just like, we use Zoom at our own company. Uh, so we're like, does Zoom have a webinar option? I don't even know. <laughs> turns out turns out they did. So yeah. you know, we bought that. We figured out the tech stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um, we threw together some slides. And I mean, we're knowledge experts. So we didn't really have to rehearse or do anything. We just mm-hmm. jumped out there and. And started teaching, and then each day made it better. And you know, there yeah. were some issues and problems, you know, came up, but you know, we just took action, you know, just yeah. as action as quick as we could. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, didn't, didn't try to plan it out and think about it because if we would have done that, we would have done this in May or June, and yeah. you know, no one would have cared, right? But literally, yeah. we went shelter in place. I think my co founder called me on like Sunday night or Slack me or something. And we were building it that week and launched it. I want to say next, the next week after that, like Tuesday or Wednesday. So it mm-hmm. was quick. Like, what can we do now? What yeah. we, how, how 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 are we going to define this time for us? And that's just how it happened.
2: So is this something like you plan to do uh, now on a regular basis, uh, ongoing basis, or was it a one-off thing?
0: Yeah. So we we thought we struck gold. So you know, we we did this thing had thousands of people sign up for it uh and so we did it a second time that was really successful and so finally in, in May June we're like okay we can't do the multi-day thing uh you know over and over again it's just too much so we we turned it into a one day thing and then a half day thing still got a, a ton of people to sign up for right. it but then we we you know at some point you have to return to your you answer to the finance team and look at the p and l's and be like okay why are we We can't continually keep doing this. If it's not, we can't really tie it back to some sort of like writer Mm -hmm. generation. Um, So the free thing, would we stop doing? um, Mm -hmm. Because everyone wants to write a book. Thousands of people are getting on. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, we're not really selling them anything on the back end, right? Mm -hmm. So now what we're doing that is becoming successful is we're just charging like 55 bucks for Mm -hmm. a week long challenge of basically Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. we're going to take you through the whole process of mm-hmm. getting your book started yeah. uh, like defining the audience creating the outline uh, creating your writing schedule like a whole bunch of other stuff and then starting out your writing plan Is yeah. getting started and getting the structure the framework yeah uh, is the most critical part of what people overlook so we yeah. spend a week with them like an hour a day getting yeah. that dialed in and then people go off and write their books and then we now have like a low cost option that they can uh, they, they can opt into if they want mm-hmm. ongoing coaching with our editors. Really? Or what we're seeing is like they're buying our eighteen thousand um, dollars guided author program, which is like a year long, uh like well, they go into like a multi day intensive workshop. They work one on one, personalized coaching, and so that's been really a really easy lead in way of like. Yeah hey, we're going to teach you how to write your book. You're going to start it. You're going to understand how difficult this is. Yeah. And then if you're truly committed and you, you have the funds, you're going yeah. to work with us. But if not, that's cool too. You know, you can go to yeah. school and, and do it for free.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that works uh, uh, um, uh, wonders because it's the same for us. I, I, I mean, we ha- uh, in our case, we are happy to teach people actually how to repurpose your content. But, but uh, what actually happens is a lot of times some people will do it and they ha- if they've got the time, they're happy to do it on their own. Good for them. A lot of the times they realize it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. They need to bring a designer on board, a video editor on board. You know, they have to... Uh, have access to these tools you learn how to use these there's a lot of things right and then some of them realize well it's not something I want to get into and and guess who they'll go next to to buy that service from <laughs> somebody who's helped them out in the beginning anyway
0: right exactly and you you know you bring up a good point too it yeah. is like
2: ugh,
0: most content production is such a beast right to do it really well but um, like we 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 publish blog posts podcasts uh two videos a week, uh, probably a couple of things I'm missing. Right. And that, that's just an ongoing cycle. with takes team. And that's how most other companies approach it too.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's just, it's, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the people that are like, write your, write your social posts for a year and a weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, in theory, that that's great that you could do that, but it, it takes a rare, a rare bird to be able to just generate that many ideas, mm-hmm. you know, over 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 a Saturday and a Sunday, yeah. but if you write a book, you'll have content mm. for years and years and years. Absolutely. You won't have to think about it. You could take that book, give it to you, and say, "Hey, just pull stuff out of this." And Absolutely. you you have videos, snippets, articles that you can guest post articles from your own blog. I mean, our own blog is basically our book. We mm. wrote the book because from the articles, mostly, <laughs> right? Like it's just. It's, it's kind of backwards, but it, I mean, it it goes both yeah, ways. That works.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. it's, if, if people kind of change their mindset, instead of struggling mm. to come up with like how to repurpose content, how to create new content every week. And yeah. Like, oh, I know. I'll just write the book on this. And yes. Write the content out of that. Well, guess what? You don't have to even worry about content. And then, Absolutely. you know, you yeah. can just recycle that stuff over and over again. And that's promoting the book at the same time. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. it's the best possible thing you can do from a content marketing perspective.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's about getting, uh, you know, the greatest ROI from your content creation efforts. If you've written a book, you've done the hard work. You, yeah. you know, it's, you've written and published It's done. You've done the hard work, right? And now it's, you know, you want to make sure that people get to know about it. Through you, and all you need to do is repurpose the content or, you know, utilize that for the content from the book to, to let people know that you exist, your book exists, your brand exists.
0: Exactly, leverage. Leverage,
2: leverage. leverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Chris, as you know, this particular series we're delivering is called Impact 2.0. Could you share with our viewers and listeners maybe a story or a moment or an encounter that had a profound impact and changed the course of your life?
3: man <laughs> <refreshing. sighs> personal life life of a friend you know it's there's oh man okay so the
0: there's so many ways i could go here there's so many so many stories um mm-hmm. i mean just the biggest thing i i think that comes to mind here um for me uh, and I, this is really hard to, to decide um,
3: but the past um,
0: the past couple of years so I've been at Scribe almost four years mm-hmm. and then before that um, I was a, a director at a multi-billion dollar you know, traditional corporation, did the agency thing before that, did some consultancy yada yada so like pretty standard marketing, early marketing career but the past Three, four years I've been at Scribe, Um, I have probably made more professional and personal growth. I'd say probably just within the past two years than I have my entire life. Um, And I can really attribute attribute that back to our our culture, the leadership, and the people that I've surrounded myself by. one, you know, the people just are, are within our company, but, you know, people that I have directly hired onto the marketing team. Um, and it's it's such an odd thing to say because <clears throat> most people just look at personal and professional growth separately. Hmm. But when, we, when I really truly understood this, it was a major game changer for me and how I leveled up, uh, right? Because I came and ascribed, thought I was a good leader. Turns out I was, I was dog shit. Uh, I was a decent manager at best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thought I knew marketing extensively well. Turns out I really only knew, knew like demand gen, lead gen, um, and a little bit of like PR and media stuff. was completely missing uh, storytelling, like, you know, the basics of marketing, like psychology, human empathy, all that type of stuff. And what I really understood was, and this is what we say at our company, like we don't really have business problems. We have, uh, you know, the people that work with us. We call them our tribe members. Our tribe has personal problems that makes the makes its way into the business. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what I mean by that is my ego, my um, self-limiting beliefs, yeah. my self-worth, my lack of self-care, my um, my just my mental blockers and my mental obstacles. Me thinking I. Uh, me thinking I have a growth mindset, but if I really evaluate it, it's a semi-growth, semi-static mindset, mm. right? Mm. Those all were just personal issues. That's just my psychology, mm. right? I showed up to work every day. I did an excellent job, did my best. Um, but when, I, when we combined the two and realized if I can alleviate these personal blockers, these personal issues, this and then really start refining my psychology, not only does my personal life get a lot easier. I am, uh, you know, I don't know what our CEO would say, but I think I'm 10 times the leader, Mm -hmm. 10 times the marketer that I was uh, three years ago. Mm -hmm. And we can see it in the revenue. We can see it with uh, the team. We can see it with the growth of the company. And then I can feel it in myself in my own and how I view myself and how I just how I feel waking up. Right. So it's it's really just understanding that even in, in a lot of companies, and I'll say it again, it's you don't have I me mean, everyone ever, there's business problems of course mm. business problems exist because there is a personal issue mm. that you're just or some sort of emotion that you're not feeling that you're not resolving mm. and so that's why you know, largely those business problems stay business problems just because you're not you're not being honest with yourself about why those problems are there mm. Um, mm. so for me understanding that was huge in my personal growth which has translated into the team growth, business growth, revenue growth, and then just continues.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I remember talking to um, Claude silver uh, from Vayner Media talking about this last week. We did a live together. As you know, she's she's the chief art officer there. And, yeah. and she talks a lot about, um, you know, leading with empathy. Uh, um, and, uh, it, uh, you know, it was so interesting to hear how they, the culture that they have also created within their company that, you know, she, she was saying that, we don't separate um yeah our personal lives are not separate from our from our work lives you know it's it's you cannot expect that somebody's having a hard time at home and then comes to work and he has to you know he or she has to forget all about this right as if as if that's not going happening in in your life right and 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 do do the job and then go home and forget about job and then just worry about the other thing it just it's not it just doesn't work like that right yeah
0: it it's it's i mean it's actually toxic that a companies approach it that way yeah um like it's part of our culture bible uh which is is probably like an online um uh, mm. where we, we you have to bring your whole self to work if if and not to say you have to like hey uh guess what guys i'm uh, having some marital problems <laughs> you know thats that's not it right like <laughs> if you want if you want to come to work and want to have that conversation great but it's You know, work and self is one, and trying to build an artificial barrier between those things is just damaging to the people. It's damaging to the company. Um, So, it's literally part of our culture and the Mm requirements of work at Scribe that Mm -hmm. you bring your whole self to work. We want all of you, good, the bad, and the in between. We'll help you out where you want support and Mm -hmm. ask for it. Um, But truly, by us doing that, Mm -hmm. we're just getting the best we can. Uh, out of everyone, and everyone is getting uh, them, their best selves too. Yeah. And whether they take that best self and go to some other company, that's great. But so far, majority of people they stay with us. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and we, I mean, we I don't want to turn this into a culture conversation, but I mean, our we we were named 2018's uh, by Entrepreneur Magazine. Yeah, was, I saw that
2: in yeah. America,
0: right? Yeah. Uh, and our our culture is is, is no BS. It's yeah. It's, it's fundamentally different. It can be an extraordinarily challenging place to work. But if you really want to make the most progress possible in your personal life, in your work life, you as a person have to bring your whole self to work. And then you as the entrepreneur, the company owner, the chief heart officer, you have to embody that culture. Mm. Um, Absolutely. To really support the people. People yeah. are always first. People forget
3: yeah, you know, I think
0: too many, unfortunately, CEOs forget that. People is what matters. Mm. Profits should always be second.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I believe hopefully in the future, we'll see more and more companies embracing that type of culture um, in their organizations as, as proven by those who have adopted it, that it works wonders. Uh, it actually helps you not only grow your business, it helps the individuals grow personally and be successful wherever they go. So yes, let's keep our fingers crossed (laughs) for the future future Mm -hmm. companies. Uh, All right. All right, Chris, I know we're coming up towards the end of this fantabulous chat. So before I ask you to share a challenge with our viewers and listeners, I'd like to ask you one more hypothetical question, which is, if you had a hundred million dollars to spend on making a meaningful impact in the world, how would you spend it
3: Good
0: <laughs> <questions>. <laughs> right now I would probably I mean I would have to sleep on this question a little bit more but the first thing that comes to mind is okay. it would be donated to maps john Hopkins for psychedelic research to help um, help people overcome ptsd uh, oh, yeah. Treatment-resistant I mean. depression, anxiety, all that type of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that is going to be the biggest change our generation possibly will see. Is mm-hmm. um, not not if, but like when uh, a psilocybin uh, and MDMA gets legalized, uh, <clears throat> that is going to help millions and millions of people yeah. overcome their treatment-resistant depression, lifelong anxiety. Um, and uh, it's it's going to be amazing. So it's in at believe stage three clinical trials of the uh, in the FDA psilocybin so is right now. So within the next several years, like that, that should be approved. Yeah. But I mean, there's so all, all the psychedelics, all the plant me- medicine. There just needs to be more research. We need to mm. really put every dollar we can towards mm. uh, towards that to get it just become the norm and have become accepted and have it be widely uh, uh, acceptable. Just to help stop stop the mental suffering that is completely avoidable or at least largely avoidable or, or yeah. um, not preventable, but it, it can be fixed yeah, for yeah. most people. So um, yeah, hundred million would go a
2: long way. Uh, would, go, would definitely go a long way. And, and, uh, and, uh, and I love that mission. It would certainly help. It could certainly help millions and millions of people. Now folks, remember that you can access the bite sized takeaways of these conversations again on my YouTube channel. Which is bit.ly forward slash spreading ideas with Amber Khan. And don't forget to please subscribe and hit the bell icon to notify you when those videos are available. All right, it is now that time of the interview for us. And you may be thinking, what? Is it gossip time or share the fun pickup lines time or tell an embarrassing joke time? Unfortunately, we are not that type of a show. Not yet, anyway. But what it is time for is. (laughs) the 48 hour challenge time so chris this is where i ask you to share what is that one thing that our viewers and listeners can implement in the next 48 hours that doesn't cost them an arm and a leg or a team to execute when it comes to writing publishing or marketing their book
0: so the the challenge i would like to present to everyone um, is relatively simple but most people won't do this but i challenge everyone to find a uh a trail that they like somewhere where they can go out in nature and just walk and think no uh no airpods no podcast no music just you and your thoughts walk for half an hour in nature in, in nature if you can um if there's no nature around you a real lap around the neighborhood or the city is fine, but do that and think about
3: uh, who 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 are the people that can
0: benefit from what you know? Mm-hmm. Who could potentially be suffering right now, and what information do you have? What wisdom can you would you want to share with them? Yeah. Um, if If you think about your book from that frame, I guarantee writing and publishing your book. And getting the an email from someone you don't know across the world once your book is published about how you change your life mm. will be in the top five of the most impactful moments in your life. Mm. Mm. Um, and
3: and I think so many people, if they really think about what that would feel like, um
0: they would want to understand that if there's one of those people, there's a hundred or a thousand, uh, if not more of mm-hmm. those. So think about the impact you could have on the world. If today or tomorrow, you literally just take 30 minutes, think about that deeply about what is the wisdom that you want to share with the world and who yeah. can you serve? Yeah. Um, cause there are people that need to know, uh, need to know what, you know, and, A lot of people will get tripped up on this and thinking like, oh, well, you know, I, have, you know, I, I just a so-and-so, I only have this business advice or whatever, that's fine. You're going to make someone's life easier if you just teach them how to do Facebook ads or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But you will also make someone's life extraordinarily better, maybe even save a life. If if you've gone through some dark times, I've made it out the other side, uh, and and there's other people who are on the same journey as you who need to hear what you have to say. So think about what that may be. Think about what you would potentially share with the world. And, uh, you know, I, I challenge you, I guess, part one, think about it. Part, yeah. Can I do part two? Yes. Part two, sure. part two would just to be um, entertain that idea. Entertain that idea. Maybe it's not a book. Maybe it's just a blog post. Mm. Maybe it's just a letter. Maybe it's just uh, something you put on Medium, right? Uh, but if it is a book, go to com, go to scribe book school, start writing your book,
3: um, share it. Just, yeah. so. I love
2: that challenge. I love that challenge because it's, it's it's again, like you can implement that in 48 hours. So it's not something, you, you know, you don't think about, oh gosh, you know, you know, it's going to, I have to think about this. When I have some free time in, in the next month, the next four to six weeks, I'll think about it. So yes, no excuses, peeps you know, (laughs) it's (laughs) doable. And if you're really, really keen on writing your book um, or you're really keen on publishing uh, the knowledge that you have or the story that you have inside of YouTube with the world, definitely a challenge you can implement or execute right now and check out scribemedia.com for further details. They have free courses, free resources on their website. Thank you, Chris, for joining me today and sharing your expertise and experience working with Scribe Media.
0: Thanks for having me. It's been great.
2: It's been great. Thank you. Tune in the loop for now.
0: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.